0: Welcome to Vino Week, Episode Thirty Five, brought to you by Vino One Hundred One. Welcome everybody. I'm Bill.
1: Hello, this is Al. Glad to be back.
0: Yep. Um, Well, Al, you've been um, you've been you've been away for a little bit. You want to tell everybody where you went?
1: Uh, We went to Northern Italy. I'm still away, Um, even though I'm here. (laughs) I'm (laughs) away. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. you know, the I never really thought that jet lag was such a big deal, but it really affected me this time coming back. You know, it's a nine-hour difference. And um, it took me probably, I'm going to say it took me three or four days, man, to just kind of get back in the in the right frame.
0: Right.
1: But I'm back. I'm back. It was a great trip. Uh, we went to uh, a couple of the lake communities, the uh, Garda and Laga de Como. Lake Garda, Lake Como, and uh, we also um, spent some time in Verona, which uh, I'd never had an opportunity to go to Verona. I've been through there, but I haven't had an opportunity to actually walk uh, the city, and uh, boy, I want to go back. That's really, really a very cool, cool place. Lots of of history, lots of beautiful art, lots of beautiful people, and it's a great place
0: what did you um have any memorable wine when you were there i did and and i'm
1: i'm reluctant to to talk about too many of them because they're not available over here yeah <laughs> but uh you know it's like anything else you know sometimes they keep uh the stuff that's really good they keep uh, over there and a lot of times what happens is they don't make enough of it to even like distribute it so uh, that's kind of what what's going on there. But you know what I what we drank um, that's really memorable for me is we had a Franciacorta um, by Cavalleri, and uh, it's an it's a winery that's or a cantina that's been around for for several hundreds of years, you know, multi generational, you know, four, five, six generations, and uh, they make um, uh, Franciacorta is a, a sparkling wine. It's made in a specific region uh, in in northern Italy that that is called Franciacorta, and Blanc de Blanc is is essentially it's Chardonnay uh, only grapes, 100% Chardonnay. But uh, that was a pretty uh, fantastic bottle that I had. And one of the things I was really surprised about over there is how inexpensive the wine is. I mean, wherever you go, it's you know the wine the wine prices are. I mean, I guess they gotta take the big boat boat ride over here, but I mean, you could buy a bottle of Franciacorta for like twenty twenty euro, and uh, that's what twenty six twenty seven dollars for a bottle of uh, really high quality bubbly. Right. Not 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 so bad. So um, we enjoyed that. We went to one region and um, off of uh, Lake Garda. Uh, that's, uh, God, what's it called? I can't, uh, I can't think of the name of the region, but it's right on the lake. And it's not a, an area that's really known for, um, making, um, uh, robust reds, but we tried a, a, 2007 Cabernet that, that the winemaker had grown. And it was, I mean, it was, I, I was, when I tasted the wine, I really, I couldn't believe uh, it was called a, a Fratelli uh Fratelli Trevisani that's the name of the um the winery but I couldn't move I was like this wine is like I can't believe that this wine was grown in this area <laughs> how come people don't know about this but he doesn't make a whole bunch of it uh he imports some of it to Texas you know that type of thing he's got you know yeah. a big fish in Texas that buys some of the wine yep and um just uh two brothers you know on an estate. so we did that type of thing we didn't we went to one noteworthy winery but this was more of a trip for the wife. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to drag her around to a bunch of different wineries.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a business trip, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, yeah. we, did, uh, we did more. Vacation. We did a lot of sightseeing. Yeah, vacation.
1: Yeah, it was truly a vacation. It really was. But we did go to Sperry Winery, which is if you ever get a chance to go to the Valpolicella area, I'd recommend you go there. Um, that's another uh, family family owned winery, um, uh, multi-generational, um, you know, the, the winemaker is, you know, uh, the son of the son of, of you know, going back his his is living there on the property and, right. uh, you know, they've got five or six apartments. Everybody lives there. His cousin's there, his nephew's over there, that type of thing. And, uh, they stick to the traditional, um, style of winemaking. They only make red wines, I believe. Um, uh, using the indigenous varietal. So you, it'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find Cabernet and Merlot and those type of things, um, in their plannings all day. They might have some and, uh, tasted a great 1997 Amarone, uh, from, uh, the Sperry family winery while we were there. Very memorable. And, uh, boy, they're, they're just, they got it going on there. So that's a place I definitely would visit, uh, if you're, um, in the hills of, uh, Valpolicella
0: sounds good it sounds beautiful
1: i I met lots of uh since we're up north i met lots of uh you'll appreciate this lots of german tourists (laughs) that speak (laughs) incredibly good english yeah (laughs) it's funny the the um in in northern italy the uh the germans come down because it's so so close that's like their vacation spot to go to northern italy and it's so beautiful that you know, they fled the place Yeah. and they speak English, but not
0: Italian. I, you know, <laughs> it's like, what is that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's centuries of European history for you right there.
1: <laughs> all, all condensed.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, heaven forbid, I'm going to try to learn your language. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you wonder where we get it from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, so we should probably, uh, I, some I, wine. Yeah, we should probably talk a little wine. I, I, I'm sure in my absence, you had a lot of things going. Uh, back to school. How did that go?
0: How was back that? to school? You know, it. Was, it uh, you know, that's always a hard transition when you're a kid. Man, um, mm-hmm. from you know your, your the schedule that you own to someone else's schedule, but um, it uh, it went fine. It went just fine. So excellent. Everybody's kind of back in the, back in the groove. It's soccer, fall soccer, so, you know, doing that, doing that thing, and, you know, as we're recording today, it's the fine, it's a basketball firefighter's pancake breakfast.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Man, So
1: there is is so much going on this time of year in Sonoma County.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the Harvest Festival, which was, what, last weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, kicks a lot of this off, and. You know, there's art trails this weekend, this weekend I think next weekend, where you can go to, there's hundreds of artists that you can drive around and go to their studios. Um, you know, farmers' markets are always prevalent here. Bunch of new restaurant openings in town, too, and around the area. Yeah, have you been to Handline yet? I haven't. Um, so we're talking about a restaurant that's run by a um Restaurant tour here that's known for being really hyper local. So he has his own farm and sources into his restaurant called Peter Lowell's. He just took over a Foster's Freeze and turned it into a I don't know what you call it a an organic sort of you know 20th century version of a Foster's Freeze in California that serves tacos, burgers, and and um, soft serve. But but in good California fashion, the uh, tortillas are. Are milled. The corn is milled on the in, in the restaurant premises
1: <laughs> on the site. Yeah. Hey, uh, for our East Coast listeners, what would be the equivalent of a Foster's Freeze?
0: Yeah, if they know what a Foster's Freeze is, you know, AW Drive In. Um, there we go. I want to say Carvel ice cream or Friendly's ice cream parlor. There
1: we go. Those yep.
0: kind of places like that, but it's got more of a drive into it. So I don't know if there you know, if there is such there is such a I think that's a sort of California phenomenon where you you know, you used to drive in and, and um they would you know, somebody's gonna come out to your car kind of thing.
1: Yeah, there used to be uh the steak and shakes used to do that. Oh, okay. But they don't do that anymore, but yeah, kind of the same thing. Gotcha. Burgers and, you know, ice cream.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, so, so yeah. We beginning.
1: were going to go um, Friday night, but I got back in so super, super late from the office. So the wife was like, nah, let's go another time. So we'll, maybe we'll go next weekend.
0: Well, today's our grand opening, so we're going to go down there and check it out. Oh,
1: okay. We'll we're report down. back. Let us know.
0: Yeah, we will. We'll go down with the mob. <laughs> That's going to be... It'll yeah. It's it, Maybe, you know, you never know. And, it, you know, I if it's too busy, we'll go somewhere else. It's not like we're in a, you know.
1: Yeah, there's plenty it, of restaurants it, to
0: eat at. Yeah, there's plenty of restaurants and it's, you know, it's literally like eight blocks from my house. So it's not like it's, you know, riding into Santa Rosa or something. Yeah,
1: you, you guys going to walk down?
0: Yeah, well, I'd probably either walk or ride bikes.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: You know, you know yeah. how that goes, ride, ride. you know, go up. I'd ride. Yeah, <laughs> go up over hill and there you're there, right? Yep, yep. Pretty much.
1: All right. Well, uh, we've got some. Uh, we've got. We have a continuing trend of acquisitions, mergers, and acquisitions.
0: Yeah, yeah. the wine world is um, um, uh, seeing a lot of M and A there. And what's funny is the business that I'm in. Um, you know, there's a ton of M and A going on too. Um, probably the most. Um, visible one that people know about is that Twitter, Twitter's yep. up for sale, um, but in the wine world, uh, you know there um, there was this article and when you pulled it out of Wines and Vines and you know the guy the I'm looking to see who wrote this thing. Um,
1: hey, when Twitter when Twitter sells, do you think they'll move from their location?
0: No. Huh. That's
1: a good spot. It,
0: it is, and you know the city. You know the city gave them tax breaks to move in there, but it, it it's it, it's revitalizing a whole part of San Francisco.
1: Yeah, that was that was definitely a dead zone and kind of a little bit of a sore eye yeah. area. Um,
0: so. so you know that's what that's what city government should be doing. Really, is you know. And then, a you know, San Francisco conscious about you know pushing people out. And making sure that they structure things so people, you know, there's there's <coughs> facilities, or I should say housing purchased. I mean, it really is coming down to housing to try to keep people from being priced out and pushed out. But um, you can talk so, about that a lot. But Paul Franson in this article was sort of breaking things down and why um, that the M&A activity is going on. And, you know, there's... And he, he what do he say? Premiumization. So one is that you know, wineries are trying to up their, um, you know, build their brand, so they're up in their, you know, the amount of uh, basically the amount of margin they can earn on a bottle.
1: Yes, and that's a and that's and that's the key point that I got out of this article. You know, they're buying brands. You know, um, you know. Ten years ago, they'd buy a brand and, and the, the key market was, uh, say, 7 to $10. Well, now the, the market is is for the $20 and up uh, area. And and what is interesting for me, and, and you, you brought a really good point, you said they're increasing their margin because, by and large, the winemaking and the style, I mean, the, the one thing that, that affects the price that you pay for a bottle the, the main thing that affects the price is what you buy the grapes for you know that's that's the that's the main thing so you're going to still do the same process you got to bring it in you got to squeeze the grapes you got to put the grapes in a tank you got to ferment you got to move the wine around you got to do all that but the one the one thing that really can affect it is what you actually pay for those grapes so these wineries are saying well we need to make a little bit more money so We're going to buy these brands that are already in position and already have good market presence, i.e., say, um, when Constellation um, bought uh, Mayomi, they they bought a huge, you know, a Goliath of a brand. So they can go around and they can source grapes. And if they have their own vineyards already, they're going to be paying less for those grapes, but they can still have that higher margin. So that's what all these guys are doing. There's a lot of consolidation. In this article, it points out in 1995, there were 1,800 wineries and 3,000 distributors. Now there's more than 8,800 wineries and 675 distributors. So you can see it's all about, you know, there's more wineries and there's more brands, but there's less distributors. So everyone's kind of trying to align themselves with whoever they have to align themselves with or whoever they think is in their best interest. But what's also happening is a lot of these people that have started these wineries in the '70s and '80s, and it might have been like a second career for them, they're in their
0: 70s. Yeah, they're getting out, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're really they're, you know.
1: Yeah. So they've got this. They've got something that's of value, and you know, in a lot of these cases, their fam, the kids, if they have kids. They're doing something else and they're not maybe interested in working, you know, being in agriculture. Right.
0: Well, you know, unlike Europe where I think there's and I don't know what it's like today in Europe if, if the same sort of demographic trends playing out, but you know, the reason and what I'm what I'm why I mean to mention Europe is there typically is continuity in terms of the of the family with the winery. Um, you know. Wineries that are around have been around for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and, and and not so much in the United States. You know, the company may live on, but um, the family may not. With the exception of some of the big, you know, the big, you know, you think about the big, you know, the big brands or big wineries. I think of the Mandavis and the Gallows, You know, they're multi generational, um, and are you know are are rather. You know those obviously those those families are very influent have been very influential in America's um, you know wine uh, wine production um, however I don't you know you, you kind of to your point you you know some of these you see some of these guys that came out here and sort of founded the Pinot trend right in Sonoma County those you know I don't know that they're gonna continue um, from a, um, a family standpoint the company may
1: continue yeah well this this big this big buy or i mean one of the biggest buys was or or a reasonably big buy in oregon is is kj kendall jackson family wines is is uh or excuse me jackson family wines um has just purchased uh willa Kenzie, which is a a huge uh, essentially a big uh, pinot noir uh producer and uh you know the guy that owns it um or the founder Bernard Bernard he basically said, "I've been at it for 25 years, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to travel." Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you know, my, my children aren't interested in the business. I'm out.
0: Yeah, and, and that's you know that's one of the things too. When you're in the ag business, it's really hard to like leave and go literally yeah. like go travel. Yeah, you can't. You got, I mean, you just can't. You got to be around like every day kind of thing. It, it sounds crazy, but it's true.
1: Yeah, about the only time you could really travel if you're a grape farmer, I mean, truly travel, is right after harvest, and that's what they do. They got the farmers' deals. The grapes are in. Usually, the farmers will take a couple, two, three, four weeks off or whatever, and they can they can travel during that time. Yeah. But after that, they pretty much got to get back because there's more stuff to do. There's you know something to do every week. Yeah. It's and time uh, to
0: get the grape essentially get the grapes ready for the next season. Yeah. You know. So it's
1: pretty, it's pretty tough, but, but KJ is making a bit, a lot of moves here. And, uh, they bought, uh, we've talked about some of the other properties that they've bought in Oregon, but they are really, um, they've got, uh, 1500 acres of vineyards in Oregon now. So people are starting to pay attention <laughs> to <Yeah>. Jackson <laughs> family Wines yeah. because they're probably one of the largest brands as far as uh, vineyard holdings now right, in, in that area. And it it's, doesn't seem like they're going to. Well, you know, I, I think for them, business here is a little bit and we've already seen it where with the winery that they purchased in Napa. It's easier to purchase an ongoing property than it is to work with the counties uh, to to go through all the permitting process. It's probably a little easier just to buy something that's already going. And then uh, and then that's what they're doing. And that's what a lot of people are doing. So it's going to continue. It'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of people that are looking to retire. And uh, there's a lot of people that are looking to buy. And uh, right now it's uh, the brands that are doing all the buying are like uh, Gallo, uh, Kendall Jackson, uh, the Wine Group is making stuff. But there's there's larger um, companies out there that will probably be making some purchases Big, in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, These guys are all um – I wouldn't necessarily call them producers more of like, you know, a house of brands. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way to put it. I agree. You know, that they're buying these things up. And, you know, as you pointed out in this article, if you're a winery and you're not all direct-to-consumer or going to try to do that, you know, you're small enough that you can either build a – you know, effectively a fan base up that's going to buy your wine all the time, so you don't have to go into the retail channel. But if you if you if you're going to scale and get big, you have to go into the retail channel, and you've got to have good good distributor. So your only route may be to actually, you know, sell out, so to speak, to one of these house, you know house of brands, so that they can get you in front of retailers. Yeah. And as we've talked, the retail channel shrinking, right? In terms of Truly, it's points of presence, small wine retailers that you used to find in like, you know, in, in smaller towns, really hard for them to compete with supermarkets and, you know, the Costco's and, um, wines and more and, and all of those other big, you know, really big retailers that, you know, um, that effectively control the retail channel. So, um, you know that said, with the laws changing with direct to consumer, I know uh, a handful, a- anecdotally, know a handful of, of winemakers, and they'll tell you that their lives have been better because of the direct to consumer thing. Um, and you know they're not necessarily concerned about trying to, you know, they want to get a little bit bigger in terms of you know dialing it up to where they can meet their sort of span of control. But they're, you know, they're like their list, they've got their list, and they're, they're sold out every year effectively. You know, aside wow. from stuff they may hold back. So they're you know, and Costa Brown's probably the best example of of that kind of success.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's you get that brand, man. And it's uh all you have to do is keep the quality level up. It's not it's not that easy. Like, uh, you know, back in the day a lot of these companies would acquire um a really good brand and they'd run the brand into the ground. I think uh Uh, Jackson family wines does a good job of acquiring a brand and, uh, keeping the quality and actually increasing the quality because, uh, typically what they do is they keep the staff on and, uh, you know, they, they don't come in and and wreck the house right after they buy it. They keep the staff on, they see what's going on and then they just kind of fine tune it.
0: Yeah. They tweak it. Plus they have, you know, they've got, um, access to production facilities and techniques that the winemaker or the one that, you know, the wine may not have had access to before. Yep. Um, that can make the, well, one that can help you scale, um, you know, uh, on one hand and two, it just, um, you know, it just makes everyone's lives easier. Plus there's a whole, you know, the whole front end in terms of marketing and, you know, your, your <clears throat> tasting experience and all those things are when you're part of a, um, you know, business the size of uh, Jackson Family Wines, I mean, you're just, you can't do when you're, when you're smaller.
1: Yeah. And um, something interesting to note also that, that, that uh, Jackson Family Wines is, is the ninth largest wine company in America, but it's, it's one the size of the wine group. <laughs> that is like, really? <laughs> Yeah, and I've been to the Jackson Family Wines. I've been to some of their facilities. Yeah,
0: I, it, they're not I, small. These are, these are factories, man. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> they're huge, and you just um, you just have to like, who's drinking all this wine? <laughs> but it's being consumed. It's being consumed. It is. It is indeed. It's so being consumed. Um, I also have to say that you know uh, when I talk to people, they're. I would say, in generally, again, again, this is anecdotal. I don't have any like survey to point to, but my sort of notion is is that people are willing to spend a little bit more for wine than they used to be. Yeah, you know, they have this notion that that, and they they will volunteer this that that if well, if I pay somewhere and if I pay over fifteen bucks, somewhere between fifteen and twenty five, I can get really really awesome wines and. There's these gems out there in that price range that'll yield me a bottle that nor that tastes like uh, a bottle that's double the amount of money so you know I buy a you know a twenty dollar bottle of wine I can find you know I can find comp a comp in that price range to a wine that might cost forty forty dollars plus which is totally true um,
1: yeah you're you're um you know, once you go past that, in my opinion, once you go past that $25 uh, dollar threshold with most wine, you're you're starting to pay for uh, marketing and magazine gloss and, and, and reputation.
0: Yeah, Again, and, I mean, that's very true. Uh, that's very true. And you know what? I'll plunk down that money, too, if there's like a winemaker I know or, a, um, you know, a specific wine that I've had before sure sure you know that i you know i mean there are times where you want to plunk down that cash for a nice bottle of bubbly um it, because it's the brand yeah and, and, and you and and you know i plunk down that kind of wine i know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be good you know
1: yeah for the for the most part i would i would disagree with you a little bit if it was say cabernet from napa valley oh uh, I mean, yeah i
0: i agreed agreed
1: <laughs> yeah okay agreed.
0: so um
1: So anyway, there's another little piece in this article where they're talking about, um, they allude to the fact that they think that this recent spate of acquisitions is actually a result of the last recession. And, uh, you know, people that had kind of been riding it out and hoping things would get better, so to speak, I'm reading between the lines and they're like, well, it's better, but not as, as good as it was. So, um, you know, maybe I should get out. So there's that type of thing's going on. And when they talk about uh, towards the end of the article, they talk about um, Kendall Jackson and their their La Crema brand, which is like a twenty dollar wine. Um, they allude to the land prices in Sonoma, and they they've acquired these this acreage in Oregon from anywhere from ten to to thirteen thousand dollars an acre. And I know you can't do that anywhere around Sonoma wow. County.
0: Not going to happen where we live. Not right now.
1: Not right. So now. I, so I think what what uh, KJ's doing is uh, uh, they're leveraging uh, for for the future because I, I think Oregon's going to become hot, especially um, you know uh, climate change. They're buying in now. They're getting ahead of the curve, so to speak. Right. And they're just going to have other people follow them. That's what's going to happen because uh, um, I think it's a pretty smart business move. And it doesn't seem like the Pinot Noir wave uh, of uh, popularity is ebbing anytime soon.
0: No, I you know that's such an it 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 is such an accessible grape that um and, and wine that but you know that whole that that you know where you can grow Pinot you can grow Chard and uh, you know as you say the trend of of people. Yeah, you know, drinking those two varietals is just going to increase and you can make it, you can grow it and make it in Oregon a heck of a lot cheaper than you can in California.
1: Yep. Yeah. At so, least you can right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, maybe 20 years from now, I don't know, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we'll be, you know, we'll see how, um, how how built out those areas get where they're buying but and how many people move but yeah i agree and it's all like you said it's all about getting access to good fruit
1: yeah and there's lots of there's lots of plantable land here in russian river valley but you know the the, the pushback
0: oh good luck getting permitted i mean yeah you, you know i mean you're not going to get you're not you're it's going to be really hard to get a um a, a a production facility that has a, a retail tasting component, where you can make enough money to make that go. And the reason is is because you have to run events. It's so costly here. You have to run events to make your yep. cash. And they're the the county, the county for the first time we talked about this last year, I started saying no, uh, effectively to, you know, and clamping down on uh, saying no to the. You know, to building out tasting rooms that want to have you know buses full of people coming in and hosting you know a couple events a week, and have started to clamp down on other wineries to ensure that they're meeting their permits. Um,
1: it's, it's it's like I said earlier. We were talking about this earlier. You you have to. Well, we weren't talking about this, but I I firmly believe you have to know somebody on the city council. <laughs> you have to know a few members. Yeah. To you know, and and you have to if you buy a winery that is already permitted for say a hundred events. Well, that's a bonus because you're not going to get that you're not – Yeah, you're yeah. no way so that's going to fly. that's going on also. But you know, like I said, I was sense. I was helping a friend out at an event yesterday at a winery. I don't mention any names, but I think one of the ways they worked around they work around that. And now that I'm thinking about it, is they had an event early in the afternoon, and then they had another event going on for the evening. So maybe they're blending in two events, so it just looks like they're having one. I'm not sure, but
0: yeah, maybe. The other thing is, is you know they they um I know where you're talking, uh, what you're talking about. And, you know, it's not like down a dirt road. It yeah, it, it's got some access there, so they're you know that's true. You know, they they might be able to accommodate it just based on the infrastructure that's there. But like, yeah, you know, if you're trying to go out to West County, where it's a two lane road, and you got to go by eight people's houses to get there, and you want to build a winery at the end of that road, it ain't gonna happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like that uh, West Dry Creek Road thing. You know, it's like uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, that's literally like that's like a one lane road up there.
1: It is, and you see these huge tour buses going yeah, mean, by. Yeah. It's
0: like, oh my god! Yeah, and, the, and 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 the other thing is, is you have to come at it from the people's perspective that have been there for a while. You know, ten years ago there weren't buses rolling up and down that road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you might see a, you know, a, you know, a like a small, you know, limo bus kind of thing, um, every now and then. But it mostly was really, you know sort of bucolic, you know, small, you know, wineries. And now, you know, it's become very popular. So
1: So let me ask you this, Bill. When's there going to be a pushback on tasting rooms? Because I don't know when the last time you went to downtown Hillsburg, but I think there's more tasting rooms than anything else. They're everywhere.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, so I'm kind of in the middle of the road in the middle of road on that. So one, that is, you know, if you think about it from a planning standpoint, having the wineries out in the, out in the country and having the tasting rooms in the city makes a lot of sense. And the the reason is, is you can keep the urban boundaries of that city and build the infrastructure in there to accommodate the people. Plus they can come park and stay there. So, you know, I can come and park and go to a bunch of different wineries. I don't have to worry about getting a car and driving and killing somebody and I can just go to my hotel room. Um, I, you know, there's something to be said for that. Now you're not getting the experience of going to the uh, the winery to see the production, but I don't know that people really care. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you can start doing a lot of education about how to take. You know, a lot of, most people I talk to don't. They're like, "What do you mean you spit the wine out?" <laughs> yeah. You know. It is, and obviously people new, newer to tasting, um, uh, you know, will hear that. So uh, I don't know. I'm.
1: Well, just to break in. That's funny you said that. My wife doesn't spit the wine out.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, if you're going to go to four wineries, you want to spit the wine out for, you know, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, but, you know. Uh, the other thing is i've been to uh some towns in Amador county that are all i mean they're basically just a bunch of tasting rooms, and that isn't like that wasn't pleasurable either so you know it's all a balance at the end of the day
1: well uh i i I understand what you're saying uh, you know uh, logically it makes sense yeah but man it does it does seem like a little bit of overkill and i think part of it was you know when I first moved out in this area i i remember um i remember that area. And it's the, the contrast between then and now is, I mean, there weren't even, there weren't even any tasting rooms in Hillsburg, yeah you know, 20 years ago. Right. And, and now there's, there's, there's gotta be like 50. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. There's,
0: you know, so. And, and like, you know, you go up there and it's like more open every day kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, and that could just be a sort of, you know, reaction to better economic times. Um, Plus, there are there are people who have wineries that cannot get permitted for a retail, um, you know, for a tasting room out in you know out Dry Creek out in and
1: yeah, that's they, they got to do something. I mean, there's they a whole you know
0: there. the whole thing I talked about how you know I, I could just go to Heelsburg and hit a bunch of wineries. That's in play too. It's like let's just put our room, let's put our tasting room next to this popular tasting room. Yep. You know, it's just. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, it's really, the city council's gotta manage that from it, you know, end up being, uh, overkill.
1: Well, I would imagine, you know, th- their cut on the revenue is pretty good. So, I mean, I, you yeah. know, if you're I looking mean, at it monetarily, it, yeah, it makes more sense to have something like that versus, uh, you know, a hat shop. Right. But, uh, so I, I get it, but, uh, you know, they're running, um, Hillsburg is really blowing up. I was up there the other day. I just found out that um, well, I I hadn't just found out, but this has been going on for about a year. They have a mill that's right in downtown Hillsburg. That mill's being kicked out. Essentially, they've been they've been in a nice way asked to move to Cloverdale. And (laughs) so so that area, that's right when you get off the freeway. So that area is going to be redeveloped once that mill moves. Huh. So, i mean hillsburg they're just gonna expand that area on the other side of where the police department is, so the downtown essentially is gonna get a whole bunch more um restaurants and uh hotels and All and wine tasting rooms yeah. so so uh, it's uh it's coming soon coming to a, they're already starting to do the uh the road improvements on the back side of it on the south on the south side of that that complex so it's coming pretty soon. It's over there by uh, Ramey Winery and Longboard. That whole area is, is going to be um, heavily redeveloped, something go. to look forward to. So should we uh, should we talk about uh, I think we're going to run out of time.
0: <laughs> yeah, know. We're probably on about that, um, quite a bit about the M&A, but it, it, it's going to matter. It's going to matter for pricing and um, all kinds of things. So you, we uh, you, we also have an article about uh, 11, what is 11, um, let me get this right, 11 secrets a sommelier will never tell you.
1: Yeah, some of them you could figure out, but it is kind of interesting because it's from actual um, sommeliers that, you know, work in uh, pretty, uh, pretty nice places or, or, or good restaurants. Uh, you got any favorites on here?
0: Um, yes, a couple, a couple that I like, um, the Psalms will bury their favorites in the, in, in in certain places in the menu. So they're, you know, in the, they will, um, middle of the wine list. Um, the other clue is the other one that I liked is if you find you're going through a list, you're in a steakhouse and you're going through, you're going through the list and there are wines from places you don't expect so you're seeing a bunch of cabs from you know all the big cab producing regions, and then you know you find a cab from like Hungary. Um, you might want to try that wine from Hungary.
1: Yeah, it's probably gonna be pretty good. Yeah, There's after. A,
0: it, um, and then you know the other thing that just goes, I think, kind of across this whole thing, and what this article really speaks to is talk to the some talk to this mom some talk to them, tell them what you like, tell them what you're interested in. Tell them what they're ask them what they're excited about. You know, if you, you spend a little time with them, they you you might get some clues to some pretty interesting wine. And in contrast to the some of the articles I've seen about restaurants trying to upsell everybody, and you know, just using the wine list is nothing more than a profit center, which it is. Um, you know, there are they're going to make their money out of wine, and you know, off what they're really after is good customer experience. I, I, most or most businesses that you go into are trying to deliver you a good experience. You come back, so you know the the, the sommelier isn't necessarily trying to upsell you on a bunch of wine. Those,
1: All right. Well, my mine are my faves. Okay. Well, mine are maybe a little bit more controversial than yours. I was attracted to the cocaine isn't just for cooks.
0: Well, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna mention that too. I that yeah that's definitely Uh, present in that world
1: there's so much cocaine use i think people would be shocked to know how much is fueling the wine world okay (laughs) enough said there that's quotable (laughs) (laughs) um in all seriousness though um the one that i really thought is is most interesting is uh the one uh number eight champagne flutes are so over Mm -hmm. it alludes to the fact that uh well, I guess I don't want to read it to you, but just the, the fact that the narrow champagne flute that you see, that, you know, that's, that's yesterday's vessel for champagne or sparkling wines. And um, when you order a bottle of champagne, ask for a real glass, you'll sound like a baller.
0: Yes, I like that. I like that. Uh, um, <laughs> that's well, I like that quote, but even more importantly, Belinda, the fact that Belinda Chang said it.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. It's true, though. So, uh, and then uh, another one that I found uh, quite interesting was, uh, and it's very true, when you look on Instagram, if you're into that thing, you'll see uh, Sobs will be posting these super expensive bottles and pictures of them. And it's like uh, a quote from Adam Ravoulis is, those pics on my Instagram account, somebody else bought. I don't make enough money to be drinking all those bottles. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, (laughs) So anyway. I, 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 that's a fun little article.
0: It is, and it, it, and it, actually the tips are really good. I mean, aside from the, um, you know, aside from the uh, cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. Uh,
1: sorry, um, about, sorry, about that. It's
0: true. Well, I, you know, just, <laughs> just, you know, if somebody seems to talk really fast and excited, you might have a little clue. <laughs> you might have to hey, I- I- watch.
1: You try opening like 50 60 bottles a night in a span of like 3 hours <laughs> and talking wine for it's hard work man It is hard work. It you is hard work.
0: You definitely and you have to be on. Yeah, you got to be like on your
1: game you gotta man. You're running, game. You're, you you got to be able to you got to be able to read people and read them quickly. Yes.
0: yes. <clears throat> For sure.
1: So uh, uh, what's going on in Chablis over there, Bill? It looks like something. This picture I'm looking at looks like something from uh, the Beverly Hillbillies.
0: It, it does. <laughs> looks what's like somebody wants to, uh, somebody's trying to build a, uh, a tar factory in the middle of Chablis, in the Chablis, in the heart of Chablis. And how do yeah. you say that French word? Is it Aranci? Aranci? uh where it was uh which uh the top of the article for case okay. Chablis and I oh yeah Iranzi Iranzi yeah yeah
1: um
0: yeah and you know this is you know we do, this is sort of the same thing we're talking about with tasting rooms and not being able to have have events you know here's a um you need asphalt where you're going to make it
1: <laughs> yeah you got to make it somewhere you want the roads <laughs>
0: So you know the you know the tar plant's got to be built where the tar is, I guess. Um, but well, the
1: roads sure. the roads from what uh, Paris to Lyon that's a that's a good little run. It's an already existing road, by the way. They're just widening it, right. but you know they need asphalt for it. Yes. <laughs> so uh-huh. I guess Chablis lost out, yeah. but it looks like they're trying to ramrod it through. So the the big hubbub is that. This this factory is going to, you know, it's going to burn a lot of fuel and it's going to put a lot of stuff in the air. And the the vineyard owners are concerned about that pollution that's going to be coming out of the stacks affecting uh, the natural yeast. You know, the the delicate um, environment, you know, it's going to change the environment. Obviously, it's just to what degree will it change it? So uh, that's what the fight's about. Did, uh, I your, did I lose you? Did I lose you, Bill?
0: No, I'm still here.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, it looks like they looks like it's 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 almost like a done deal. Yeah. And but uh, you know you know how those French are, they get pretty excited. I mean, we've, we've cited several incidents instances when they're not happy uh, about things that are going going along. They're they're very vocal and they're they're they can be a little bit militant. So, yes, We're willing to happens? do
0: yeah, willing to do some property damage.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see that. We'll keep an eye on that one. That's for sure. And then so, uh, I think we got time, the, for, we go got time for one more, Bill, I think.
0: Yeah, well, we should talk about the, the glass enclosure. I think that's, oh. you know, um, it's an article about pen folds. They've, I, you know, I think these, you know, pen folds has uh, been interesting in terms of always, you know, um, I don't want to say experimenting, but working with different types of packaging techniques. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So they were early ad- I, early adopters of what? all th- Screw caps?
1: Screw caps, you know, they're in Australia. So, yeah, they're doing the screw, screw cap thing. Back but the one thing that they do that's awesome is for their top flight wine, they go around and they uh, offer a recorking service where they actually have, uh, you know, if you have their high-end uh, Pimples wine, they'll come by. They'll pull the cork, taste the wine, make sure it's sound. Um, replace it with uh, some uh, more sound wine to fill up the level and also put in a brand new cork and certify it. So they're serious about the consumer getting what they actually bottle at their facility and they're not, not having any changes. Right. So, you know, you got a bottle of pinfolds, Grange, Hermitage, Um, and they do this. There's no charge for this. They, you know, you just have to show up where they are and they'll, they'll, they'll take care of your bottles for you. But the art the 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 main thrust of the article is that uh they're down on screw caps and they think the future of wine is um glass enclosures. And are you familiar with the the, the Vinlock
0: closure? I have not had a Vinlock. No, I have not had one,
1: yeah, one. Well the ones that I know about, it I mean it's it's literally it's a glass stopper that has a plastic piece that fits between the other piece of glass. So when you put it in, it kind of like it snaps into place. Oh,
0: interesting. So that's how it's, they get it. That's how they get it airtight.
1: Yeah. It's really a cool looking package. You see them on a lot of Italian lines. Now I don't know if this is exactly what they're talking about, but they're saying glass enclosures, you know, it, I just think it's really interesting that there's so much pushback now against screw caps. The one thing I think screw caps are terribly uh are not so good with this they that can be damaged
0: yeah i was gonna say they can get you know you smack that the neck of the bottle it can bend that even if it's bending it small it can it could crack the seal um and it and or warp that metal
1: yeah so the whole
0: you're then you got air going in the wine and you're done
1: yeah and then the wine gets oxidized yep um, but the, the, the big thing, uh, in this article anyway, they point out that, um, examples of TCA, which is the reason that people were moving away from cork is they're getting uh TCA problems. They say it's down to around 1%, which is, that's, that's pretty good when it was up over 5% just, you know, a few years ago. So they really, the cork industry has really responded and, uh, you're getting less corked bottles as a result of it. Um. But uh, a lot of the high-end wine companies, they pretty much still going with the cork. Man, you see the the, the cork is, is not cork's not going away anytime soon. I don't think so. These guys are they're talking about glass as being the best best alternative, and they're doing all kinds of experiments. And um, hopefully, uh, they'll come up with something that's uh, that's uh, worthy. But they've been uh, they've been they've been studying this for years. Uh, any, should we, we got time for one more bill?
0: Sure. Um, uh, let, we could, let's do, um, uh, we could do our recommendations.
1: Okay. So you well, like I said, I've been drinking a lot of wine, so, but, uh, it's not, a, not, not much of it's available over here, but what I did have recently, um, uh, here, uh, is, uh, a bottle from, um, my favorite place, KNL. l I'm getting better at buying stuff and then drinking it and not just like buying it and let it sit around and then forget about it and then drink it and say, I like it and then go back and it's all sold out. <laughs> so this one's uh it's a 2015 Ryan Gow Riesling. Uh, Kalinda is the brand uh, that uh K&L came up with. And what they do is they find a producer in this case, they, they say, Oh yeah, this is a well-known producer. They can't actually mention who the producer is. So it's kind of like a knockoff of the, uh Cameron Hughes thing. Right. And um but it's an excellent bottle. It's twenty fifteen. It's a uh, Dutcher Qualitzwein Rheingau. So it's not a um it's not uh the the high end, super high end stuff, but it, it drinks high end. It's uh the alcohol I'm looking at the label, so bear with me. It's eleven percent alcohol. So just by going on that <clears throat> you can tell that it's it's relatively dry. I'd almost say it's um it's like a fine herb. It's it's not completely dry, but it's pretty dry. Uh, it's got grapefruit, uh, that stone fruit, that lemon lime edge that I like. Excellent acidity, and um, you you can't you can't go wrong. I think it's like eleven dollars a bottle. So I'd, I'd uh, run to your website and get some of this if you're a riesling fan. Um, it's uh, very very good. Um, and uh, it's good to see Ryan Gow making such uh, great rieslings again because they went through a little down period for a while. Uh, other than that, though, I don't I don't really have anything else. So you're going to have to carry the boatload. This oh time. yeah,
0: you know, and I don't have a lot of wine. Um, <laughs> uh, it's been a little warm here lately, so still on the beer jag. I did have a, um, I did have a cab. Went out to dinner to celebrate my mom's birthday recently, and had a uh, a cab from Napa Valley from Calistoga. And I don't know much about it. It's Otra Vez wine. Outravaise. Um it's twenty thirteen cab. I you know what? It's very typical um you know um Napa Valley sort of true to type Cabernet. Um mm-hmm. you know, nice balance. I, I do know it, they use um both American and French oak. So um I, I you know all of the right notes from a Cabernet and you know not over-oaked and well balanced and um, you know it wasn't um, it wasn't you know so big that it was like you know smack in the head but you know held up with a with a nice steak dinner now the other thing that I've been continuing on my on the the, uh, um, the beer quest so uh, a couple of interesting beers of late so one is an omission lager from omission brewery and they use some kind of enzyme that they actually strip out the gluten so it's um meant to be um gluten free and so you know they have a pale lager that just you know cool it down it's pretty nice to drink on a hot day mm-hmm. and then the other pilsner that i've had recently that i really like is from bear republic and i didn't even know they made a pilsner and um it it's delicious so um, have been rolling around having a few of those. Um, oh, also went to Napa Smith uh, Brewery, so it's actually in the um, it's actually south east of the city of Napa, um, right off of what twenty nine or one twenty one. Huge place, you know. Very, uh, it's very much a a brewery, very low key, but uh, good place to go to. And their you know their beers are excellent. All of
1: I've heard a lot of good stuff about that place. I think you've mentioned it before, and I've had several other people tell me how good their products are. So I'm gonna have to gonna have to get over there.
0: Yeah, it's just it just happened to be convenient, so we went and stopped there. Um,
1: I'm gonna be going
0: by there today, actually. So maybe, <laughs> maybe go. I'll go it, by. Hey, you know, it's gonna be in the 80s again, so Napa will be hot.
1: Well, not to not to get all crazy, but you know, it, it'll be hot. But I, I got to get back in time for the debate tonight, so. Oh. <laughs> i don't care hey real quick uh um there's one other uh thing I um the the drunken cyclist
0: Yes. Uh, oh yes,
1: wrote an article about uh two di- two very different nights and he talks about going to a place it's called um uh antica bottega del vino, and I actually got to walk in there uh although we didn't uh uh actually we we were there during the right when they were getting ready to open up and it's uh it's a wine bar in verona, and he talks about how his uh there's some great pictures I encourage you to go take a look at it his uh his web posting he talks about uh an experience he went there with uh, a couple um which I believe were friends of his wife and they you know they put in the bill so obviously they got to pick the wines so he talks about the wines and how great they were and uh he said, "Well, shoot, it was such a good time I thought I'd go back again." So he went back by himself uh, um, the very next night, I believe. And uh, he's trying to, um, he, he, the first time he went there, he chatted up to sommelier and he got to meet her and that stuff. And when he came in, she really recognized him. So he says uh, in, his, in his article, he says um, um, he, he talks about what he ordered and uh, he, he didn't want to, like, go all out and spend a whole bunch of money. Um, and he didn't want a high alcohol, um, Amarone. And he's like, well, you know, those suckers ain't cheap. And, and he says, I looked around for the ever so helpful sommelier from the night before for some assistance, recognizing me. She bounded quickly over to the table after a pleasant greeting. I asked for her advice, noting that I was hoping to spend quite a bit less than the night before. Once I mentioned my price length, my price range under 50, um, 50 euro, she feigned to be called to another table. And left rather abruptly, never to return. (laughs) Way to keep it classy. (laughs) I just just thought that was pretty funny, you know, the whole Psalm thing of, yeah, you know, we'll take care of you. So kind of dovetails a little bit what we were talking about before. But um, that seems like a pretty cool place to go to. So I'm going to have to put that on my list because I'll definitely be going back to Verona again.
0: Oh, there you
1: go. So uh, uh,
0: I guess we're back in the saddle we'll keep it going we'll certainly try Um, one day we'll get consistent
1: we are we are busy fellas that's for sure yes um i i I can tell um our listeners and readers that we'll be posting a lot more articles here in the future because we're going to get back on at least putting up stuff that you can read Um, and uh and learn and learn so uh that's uh that's what we got going on how do they reach us bill
0: Um, You can always email us at info at vino101.net. You can hit us up on the Twitters at uh, twitter.com slash vino101net. You can hit our Facebook page. Give us a like on our Facebook page. And uh, most importantly, tell a friend if you like what you hear.
1: Beautiful. All right, Bill, we'll be in touch, man. It's great to to get back and uh, and talk to you. For sure. For sure. Cheers. Tell everyone. Tell everyone I said hello. Cheers. Ditto. Cheers.